It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show. And we're kind of coming out of lockdown a little bit, so it's no longer the lockdown special week 11, but it should be really, because it's dangerous out there. Stay social distancing, wear a face mask in on public transport. But today, we're looking at FMW's ninth anniversary show, and I would like to welcome as my guest, Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you, sir? Hello, I am half asleep. It's technically the crack of dawn for me. (laughs) Lockdown life kind of had me getting up at 2pm, so a minimum, it's nowhere near that. <laughs> no, we're, we're we're in the middle of the morning here. We're doing a good job. We're, we've, we've, got on, we've, got, we've got wrestling watched, and we're looking at FMW's 90 year anniversary. Now, I've looked at the 8th anniversary with you as well, and the other 7 with Chelsea. We've covered the FMW anniversary shows uh, very clearly. Now, this one is bizarrely the most professional looking of all the anniversary shows and the worst i feel would you agree john well we know i'm more of a fan of the violent spectacle fmw shows but the professional sort of presentation was there if it if not an overbooked mess (laughs) that is one way of putting it for sure so the eighth anniversary show did not come from the basketball stadium as it normally did because it was still out of action. And to be honest with you, they couldn't fill it, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but it was back at uh, the Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium with a 5,200 crowd. And the main event was Hayabusa versus Mr. Ganesuke for the Independent and Brass Knuckles World Championships. Now, there was lots of stuff going on in FMW at the time, and if you listen to recent episodes of the Troopany Show, we covered a lot of it in the previous episodes. Um, uh, the Basically, Onitra had come back to the company after taking it a couple of years off, and uh, had come back as Mr. Liar, and he'd founded the Zen Group with the former members of Wing, and they were the top heels in the company. And people like Hayabusa... And Shinzaki were chasing this uh, ethereal group. And also there was the uh, Kodo Fuyuki who was coming in and starting to wind things up a little bit with the world-class tag team, Gedo and Jedo. And so storylines were starting to brew. But the most important thing around this time was the change in ownership to Suchi Arai, who'd taken over the company when um, Atsushi Nita had retired the first time around. And when Anita came back, it was on Arai's terms. Arai was controlling the company. He asserted himself. And it's very much showing because there was definitely no way that Anita would have done some of the things that happened in the run-up to this particular event, like losing to Hayabusa, for instance. Obviously, on this retirement show, the last thing he did was pin Hayabusa. So there's lots of different angles coming into this. Also, this was the first time that FMW had ran a pay-per-view in America because of direct TV. DirecTV had a deal with um, FMW, believe it or not. Yes, that DirecTV, the look after pay-per-views and satellite television in the States, they pay them $600,000 for a monthly pay-per-view. Um, and they did it uh, through Samurai TV, to, to basically, to get away from Samurai TV, who'd been covering their shows. 
uh, Samurai TV is still very much active in the US market. But DirecTV were trying to crack the Japanese market. They wanted a home wrestling company to have uh, big pay-per-views to them. So that was FMW, and they also broadcast it on pay-per-view in the States. So this is a, a very interesting point. They've finally got some money together. They've finally got the roster they need. And it's a very competent roster. And then they produce a show that's not that great. <laughs> there was an entertaining as hell Arnie advert, though, at the start oh, of this. Can explain that. Well, Arnie sort of promising entertainment and then being shipped as the Terminator of <laughs> Japan. Yeah, it was. it's a slightly bizarre and interesting kind of way. Because at first I'm it. sort of looking at it and I'm like, no way have they got Arnold Schwarzenegger to open up this FMW anniversary show. And then I was like, oh, it's just an advert. <laughs> yes. That would have been a bloody spectacle, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, they were gonna, they're going to. I don't think they'd have the money to do that for sure. Um, but let's get to the opening match. Hideki Hosaka was defeated by bad boy Hido, though not quite bad boy. At this point, he'd had his head shaved. Um, I think he lost the final round of... Uh, where was he? No, 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 no. He uh, he was just Hido. He wasn't bad boy yet. He would become bad boy Hido not long after this. He lost to Hideki Hosaka in 7 minutes and 32 seconds in a pretty good opening match. And then he was presented with a new gi by his wife... Megumi Kudo. Everyone go, ah. No? All right. Aww. Oh, there you go. See? Got some action in the end. Dramatic <laughs> pause. Dramatic pause. Uh, this was kind of a nuts and bolts King's Road style wrestling match. There wasn't an awful lot to this. What did you think of it, John? It was, it was all right. <laughs> it did what you needed it to do. And then, yeah, you got this bizarre presentation ceremony that made me think it was a dark match. It's like, we'll give Hedo a birthday present at the end of it. After he's just scored a roll up on a fast count, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's an interesting match and it kind of like sets up like the the, the guys from Zen who are kind of moving away from Atsushi and Ita and presents them in a much more positive light. They won't be in a positive light for long. <laughs> <laughs> Next up was a very shortened Koji Nakagawa versus Chris Chetty, who lost to Hosikitsu Oya in a three-way dance in nine minutes and 48 seconds. Now, they chipped in the three-way dance from ECW. Okay. <laughs> With an excessively long advert promoting ECW. Yes, because they were still on a talent swap agreement with ECW, hence the reason why Chris Chetty was here at the time, and he was brought in, I assume, to kind of tie the whole three-way dance thing together. It, the fact that it was edited down from 9 minutes and 48 seconds to about 2 will tell you how well that went. There were promo yeah. packages longer than this match. There were entrances <laughs> longer than this match. It was a bit dull. John, your thoughts? I... I don't know if I have any. The best bits were just laughing at Oya's hairline, which seems to be the running joke whenever we cover FMW. Nothing else to add? Nothing you'd say? Nothing you'd pull out? What do you think of Chris J? Because Chris J I always thought was like an underrated kind of guy. He did really well in ECW, and I was always wondering what he'd do better anywhere else, but I'm not sure this was the environment for him to shine in. I was going to say they didn't really show much of him. He got some nice strikes in on Oya. He, they both worked together to get rid of him. Nakagawa, and then 
yeah, or you kind of just won. I think the only thing I can remember them actually showing Chetty doing was a slam. Oh, I think he, well, he missed the moonsault, didn't he? He went for the moonsault, and that was yes. that was the end of that. So, that was... yeah. So it, it was all right. He did what he said on the ten, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the openers for your sort of pay per view. They weren't the strongest outings. Not really. Business picked up in the next match. Jado and Gedo defeated John Cronus and Ricky Fuji in one of the most bizarre makeshift tag teams you'll ever see. John Cronus of the Eliminators still smarting from the the, the, the departure of Perry Saturn from ECW to WCW. Still looking for a partner, as ever, until they founded the Gang Eliminators, which was perhaps the best-named makeshift tag team of all time. <laughs> um, but Cronus and Ricky Fuji against Gedo and Jeddo. Ghetto and Jeddo were one of the best tag teams in the world at this particular point, and they were starting to make a name for themselves. Well, they'd made a name for themselves. And Cronus and Ricky Fuji were quite happy to be key bang-on baby faces for them to bounce off of. But it was a kind of workman-like, very horseman-like performance from Ghetto and Jeddo, I thought. Very like down-to-business, got to get this done. I can definitely agree there. Well, Sammy, this was The presentation for this match was weird as hell, because... I think they showed about five minutes of footage from the match and about ten minutes worth of packages and entrances. Yeah. Which is a really odd ratio when John Cronus is incredibly fun to watch, Ricky Fuji is incredibly fun to watch, and Jadon Gato are exceptionally fun to watch. So you'd think you'd want to showcase the, the action more than them walking to the ring to an instrumental version of Sharp Dressed Man. Yes, and not so, a very good instrumental version of Sharp Dressed Man. <laughs> that kind of detracted a bit from me, but the actual in-ring, in-ring action itself was bloody great. I, I think you forget how good John Cronus was. It was a guy who was 290 pounds who could do, like, shooting star press leg drops and off the middle rope moonsaults off the middle rope you know he was a lot of the time in ecw he was kind of like underrated because he wasn't trying very hard but that was kind of what the storyline of the eliminators called for it was like pat Saturn and Cronus were always falling out because Cronus didn't try hard enough um but when he was on he was on this wasn't like main event status Cronus. it was a match that did a job but it worked really really well ricky fuji Oh, Ricky Fuji was cracking on about the early days of FMW on Twitter this morning. I love Ricky Fuji. <laughs> I do often see him on Twitter. He does do a, a great job of uh, like going over his career and talking uh, um, uh, like about what he's been, been up to in his career and stuff and kind of highlights things. Uh, he was going back to when like Mr. Pogo was still in Puerto Rico and... Um, Somebody had to be under a mask to pretend it was Porter, to pretend it was Mr. Pogo. <laughs> awesome, but yeah, and Ghetto and Jeddo, you can see why they were so so well respected and got so much work everywhere. Oh, definitely, it's you can see the sort of impact they had for teams of like later generations to like emulate and learn from. It was. Yeah, they just really were one of the best tag teams at the time. Yeah, it, they, they were just so crisp and just so together. It, it's really, you know, they, they they weren't spectacular like aerial junior heavyweights, but they did everything right and they did everything well. 
The next match was a true dream match. Jin sends Jinshe Sinzaki, former of the WWE, um, where he was a Kushi, and of course uh, Emma uh, Michinoku Pro, that's where he got himself started, defeated Yukihiro Kanemura in 7 minutes and 45 seconds in an interference-strewn match, which was exceptionally good because Wing Kanemura could really go. I mean, everyone cracks on about his bumps and the risks he took, but he could really have a great wrestling match. He was a genuine star. He had charisma, and this was something that really I really invested in very quickly. I just wish it was twice as long. What's your thoughts on this one, John? We share the same opinion here. Like, this was great, but I wanted more of it. Like, the table bumps were great. The, I didn't expect to see, like, Shinzaki taking barbed wire bat strikes, but I got to see that. Kanemura, amazing. Shinzaki, amazing. The drama, amazing. The overbooking, slightly irritating. Okay, can you clear something up for me, actually? Yeah. Like, I know quite a bit about FMW, but who the hell was the Trent Reznor-looking guy that kept <laughs> interfering in a bloody kilt? I'm just trying to figure it out at the minute, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, yeah, the fourth match. This is the last match. Against, uh, yeah, Team Roman Respect member. Go Ito interfered on the, on Kanemura's behalf, and was allowed to, which allowed Kanemura to gain momentum by hitting Shinzaki with a piece of table, followed with a Baku Yama special. Kanemura grabbed a piece to hit Shinzaki. Uh, I think Oito was a, a ring announcer at one point. Let me just do a quick search here. You, you explain what he did, and I will find out about it. So, Goito continuously interfered all night. Like, every time there was a match with, like, Team No Respect in, that was it. You'd see him, and he would bloody mess everything up. As you've just said, he bloody... He came down with the ref, so I'm guessing the ref was a plant as well, because he wouldn't let Shinzaki use the bat outside either. Granted, Shinzaki did nearly throw the bat into the third row. He <laughs> really lost grip on it. He was, yeah, he was. Um, well, I think, yeah, because the, the the referee was uh, the second referee came in and squared things up, didn't they? It was very ECW. Um, Judge John Jones kind of action with this. I think they probably borrowed it. Uh, FMW would not be... Okay, yes. It was Anita's personal friend, Takahashi Go Ito, at the age of 19, would join the FMW office. Um, Ito would go on to booking duties with Anita for the final say, as well as lead FMW referee due to his ability to speak both Japanese and English. So he was the referee for FMW in the early days and became a booker, and then he became a star. Well, we say star annoying sidekick of Team No Respect. Uh, we should explain that at this point, Asushi Nita had lost to Hayabusa and was losing control of his Zen faction, which included the former wing guys like Bad Boy Hido and, uh, and um, uh, Wing Kanemura. Um, and they had to gone off to join Fuyuki, Gedo and Jedo in Team No Respect. And they had started to work their fingers deeply into the DNA of FMW. Would you not say, John? Definitely. They were everywhere on this one. The thing that struck with me the most is he looked a bit like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, much like Arnie at the start, I thought they'd gotten him as a guest. I was like, holy sh... Oh, no. No, that's someone interfering in matches. I'll tell you what most like. Raven. Oh, God. That's probably who he was trying to emulate. 
Exactly. I mean, in it fact, was he... like it, he looked exactly like the leather jacket, the <clears throat> the shorts, wearing a check shirt around his waist. Yeah, that. God, they really did love trying to be a doppelganger of ECW with this. <laughs> well, it got half the roster. I mean, the next match was the main event scene of, a, of ECW, really. Oh, God, of course. So, but we'll talk about... We'll, 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 yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add to Shinzaki and Kanemura? It was bloody amazing. And, yeah, as you said, I wish it had gone longer because I feel like both men could have easily taken that match up another level. If they'd had more time. Then again, that might have also given us more time of interference. So, still... <laughs> so many options that you wish you had. <laughs> okay, so we move on to the next match, which is Horace Boulder and Super Leather. And they defeated the Gladiator and Tetsuhiro Kuroda in 11 minutes and 1 seconds. Now, Horace Boulder, it would be his last performance in FMW. He would go to WCW with his uncle Hulk. Yes, he's actually Hulk Hogan's nephew. And join the Raven, funnily enough, in WCW. <laughs> in Raven's Nest, I think it was. Or was it Raven's... I can't remember what Raven's group was. Raven's Flock. Raven's Flock, yes. He would join Raven's Flock in WCW not long after this. Super Leather would hang out in Japan for as long as his career would take him. And so and the Gladiator would uh, not, not be long for the ECW, FMW universe either. I think it was probably about eight months after this he went to WCW. And Tetsuhiro Kuroda was, you know, did all right in this. He got a young, young, tough. And this was a very entertaining match to watch. 11 minutes, but seems slightly pointless given the fact that someone was leaving and they won when they left. Your thoughts, John? Um, yeah, they didn't show a whole lot of this match. I wish I wish they had because it seemed like there was quite a nice bit of chemistry between like these two teams. I'm not exactly sure it was much of a street fight either. Like it's advertised as a street fight, but I think the only thing they showed on the tape was a couple of chair shots that I can really remember. And yeah, when when I was watching this on tape, I'm like, oh cool, this looks like it's going to be fun. Oh, it's it's over. Wait, that was the finish. Oh, does they have a habit with FMW tapes of just sort of like building your expectations and just like. Oh, did you did you want to see the whole match? Sorry, that that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, I'm afraid. But yeah, I mean, this was good for what it was. It, I get the feeling Mike Awesome and Horace Boulder and Super Leather they work so much better in a big arena. They're big cartoon comic book superhero characters, and when they're in the Kawasaki Baseball Stadium, they really come alive. This much more compact and bijou wrestling environment isn't really their thing is it no they they do seem a bit put out as they're wrestling i don't even think we got a chainsaw spot this time which is kind of what you'd normally get from super leather or leatherface or whoever was under the mask at the time it was super leather they couldn't use leatherface they use leatherface in fmw not FMW in wing, because they didn't care and they had no money anyway, so they couldn't sue him. Um, and the FMW was a bit bigger, so they used super leather. And this was after he came out of prison. <laughs> oh, God, I'd forgotten he'd gone to Yeah, prison. he went to prison for crushing some attempted murder, I think it was. It was aggravated assault. He did about 18 months for trying to drop a leg into Nakamaki's... Uh, trying to drop a leg on some, like, 
nails on a board that he'd ripped off the board and then leg dropped into Nakamaki's neck before Nakamaki retired um, and then did some time. They got somebody else in to play Leatherface and they ended up being a tag team called the Leatherfaces and then he, the other Leatherface left and he went to F&W as Wing slowly disintegrated around their ears. Christ, what a crazy story for a character. It's like we've made a character based on a movie serial killer. Let's actually try and make the guy a killer. <laughs> no, he was just a bit of a jerk. He had a hot temper. Um, former Corporal Kirshner in the WWF there. Right then, the next oh, one. Christ. Yeah, the next match. <laughs> the next match is in the wrong order. In actual happened, as we've just discovered, Bam Bam Bigelow and Masuta Tanaka actually wrestled them first. But on the tape, which is what you'll be watching and what I'll link into this, Bam Bam Bigelow wrestled Masato Tanaka in 15 minutes and 10 seconds of an absolutely cracking bout. This was possibly the best match on the card. Um, and it's Tanaka pretty much at the peak of his powers, just about reaching the peak of his powers. And Bam Bam Bigelow, senior veteran who is really surprised by the young rookie, but this was a corking match, really a proper great wrestling match with two people who were really on top of the game at the time. This kind of makes this whole card worth its price of admission, really. What do you think of this one, John? Again, we are in agreement. When I sort of scrolled through the show you'd sent me, I was like, well, I cannot wait to get to that because I just saw Masato Tanaka and Bam Bam Bigelow. I'm like, that's a dream match I didn't know I needed. Like, obviously, I remember seeing like both men in ECW and I'm like, they're fighting and they're fighting really well. Oh, man. I loved Bam Bam Bigelow as a kid. And just seeing him again now as an adult with a greater knowledge of wrestling just makes me happier still. Because he's still really damn good. And you put him with someone else who's really damn good. It's, yeah, really damn good. <laughs> can you tell yeah. I enjoyed it? I can too. This was this was like, I I I watched this and things had got started to drag. And I was like, oh, Bam Bam. Love Bam Bam. Hadn't seen him in ages. Oh, Tanakh, this is good. And then it got going and it started to roll and it started to roll. And it was like, oh, this is awesome. And I got so into it. Because I was really, and the crowd get into it as well. By this time, they're flagging. <laughs> they were desperate for yeah. somebody to cheer for, and Tanaka gave them something to cheer for. A great babyface performance and a great veteran heel performance in getting somebody over. And at the end of the match, he went backstage, shook his hand, and said, "Great start, great effort, well done." You know, and that did Tanaka a whole lot of favors in FMW for sure. Yeah, and you could, you could tell they sort of real. Oh, I've just watched back the table spot that didn't go right. Oh, I forgot about that. Bam Bam's just jumped off the top oh, rail yeah. onto Tanaka on a table, and the table's just kind of like left. It's like, nope, I don't want this. <laughs> I wouldn't care. The tables had been doing pretty well that night for just breaking for people. That one had to be the rebels. It's like, oh no, you've got a good match. I'm not I'm not working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was good. It was good. I like that. But the, the the table was 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 a jerk and should have broken for the safety of everyone involved. Uh, uh, but yes, the best match on that card, you should go look at it. Close second though, I think, is Kodo Fuyuki versus Atsushi Anita. Team No Respect leader versus Team Zen leader. If Anita lost, Zen would have to disband. Ooh, big stakes in a big match. 
And Fuyuka comes up big in a big match again. This isn't as good as Bam Bam versus Tanaka, but it is very, very good. And I really enjoyed this match. And I kind of enjoy Fuyuki. I'm getting Fuyuki. I'm getting much more respect for him as I've seen him go from All Japan to SWS to War to FMW. He clearly had a wrestling IQ, and I don't think people gave him his due at the time. And Anita is bringing out Sushi Anita in his full Mr. Liar Bret Hart tribute gear. Um, it was it was really interesting to see him kind of wrestle as a full-on heel and then trying to turn baby faces went through the match. I don't think he has the gravitas as a wrestler to kind of pull this story out that he needs to. I, I think it was a bit too much for him, but he is trying to make Fuyuki go, go, good, who was a guy with a reputation for not being that good. And I think he did that well, because obviously I believe in Fuyuki a lot more now than I did before this match. What's your thoughts on this one, John? See, as we established when I watched um, War and the Six-Man Tournament, I find Fuyuki hilarious. I think he's a top tier. I'm going to be a dick wrestler. And in the video package, the short building to this match, that's exactly what he was doing. And even in the match, despite, again, some hideous, hideous overbooking, you've basically got Fuyuki being a dick, trying to sort of make Onita the babyface he wants to be in the story. And it's, it's really well executed. It's just the fans didn't quite care. And there was just certain parts of the match where you just kind of lost a bit of interest because it wasn't as fast as you'd want it to be. No, I think Fuyuki isn't like a great mat wrestler. And there's no bells and whistles on this. There's no barbed wire. There's no special like uh, dispensations. It's just a wrestling match. And I say yeah. just a wrestling match. It's meant to be more than that. But obviously, if they're trying to broadcast it on TV every week, they can't do the exploding ring double-hell death barbed wire matches they used to. It's got to be more palatable. Now, having said that, Anita does bleed in this, but this was a period of time when Anita would bleed if you looked at him funny. So it's not unsurprising that he's there telling that babyface story and bleeding. And everything works in the right direction. It's just not quite as good as Anita as an on-fire babyface. He's getting there, but it's not there yet. You know, the public had not forgiven Anita for coming back to wrestling when he said he was done. And it was clearly a money-making exercise. And it hurt the draw of the company. They're not, they're not at the baseball stadium. They're not even at, uh, you know, the big arena in Yokohama. They're in the small arena at Yokohama. It's hurt them badly. You know, Anita, two years after, three years after his retirement, is not the draw Megumi Kudo was a year before, and I think that's really important for us to understand. The thing I find the oddest about what you've just told me is the adverts at the start of this were all advertising violent shows. Like, they even teased the Sasuke Hayabusa Dream Match, which was on one of the VHS tapes, but they were showing, like, Cactus Jack thrown through barbed wire crates. There was Megumi Kudo thrown onto exploding barbed wire. I think it was Megumi Kudo. And it's just, there's all, they've kind of got this reputation as a violent Japanese company, and ECW manages to make it on TV all the time. So you'd think they'd want to capitalize on that. And if you've got Deathmatch Legend at Sushi Oniti, you'd want to capitalize on that more than this sort of cookie cutter WWF style story which yeah. okay, we were we were on the birth well we were in the attitude era at this point 
with WWF. So you'd think they'd want that attitude, that violence. That would probably have carried them way further than a match like this would have. And don't get me wrong, this match wasn't bad. No, no. But when you think FMW, you were, especially back in the like in the late 90s when everything was still quite like word of mouth heavy people knew fmw as this sort of ultra violent japanese company that ecw were trying to get in with because they did the same thing mm. to a bigger well to a more i don't know actually fmw's peak and ecw's peak the audiences were both kind of the same level of like rabid. Yeah, I think I, 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 it's difficult to kind of say. I think that like ECW's crowd was a lot more working class. I think there was like a lot of. I think the FMW crowd was well, you know, his big strong base was Kawasaki and Yokohama. They're both industrial like heartlands, but equally it was very much more 18, 19-year-olds, impressionable young men, whereas ECW was kind of a stretch to that 18 to 30, whereas I think FMW was kind of like very much in the young kind of thing. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the logistics of you've got a TV deal with the US, you're advertising ECW, yet you're, you're going out of your way to try not to be like represented in that similar vein of excitement that ECW tends to offer despite working so heavily with them. Like I know ECW wasn't just a total death match and hardcore company, but again, much like FMW, it had the reputation for it and then drew you in with its like amazing underrated or sort of less than advertised wrestlers. FMW had a, a knack for doing the same thing, but this show was missing the sort of ultra-violent spectacle that would have probably made it a lot more reputable. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the wrestling on this card. It's just not that great. There's some good matches, but there's nothing spectacular about this. And they're professional, and it's well put together, and it's nicely presented, but you've also missed that scrappy edge of the old FMW-like there's no women on this card for a start because all the female stars have retired and the, the, they haven't got a big enough roster um, to put uh, storylines together, which is just shocking, you know, because Megumi Kudo did all that work to get women over and it didn't work. Um, there is like, there's no mixed martial arts stuff on this. There's no lucha stuff. All the stuff me and Chelsea raved about back in the early 90s when they were doing like different stuff no one else was doing. It's just not there anymore, and it's kind of very mirrors, very mirrors very much what ECW happened to ECW. You know, they had the luchadors, you know, the extreme luchadors, and it, it that stuff went away, and it just concentrated on characters, which was fine, but it doesn't make it as watchable as this because essentially, and as like Mick Foley pointed out, like the three ring circus of wrestling, this was kind of like watching a guy get shot out of a cannon three times in the same night, whereas this is, you know, and there's not enough there to make it seem varied it's just another king's road wrestling company that isn't hasn't quite got the characters all japan has and doesn't quite have everything it needs to make it a full-fledged big name company does that make sense yeah i just this was their first you said this was their first foray onto us television right you'd think they'd yeah. want 
you'd think they'd want to do it with a bang. And I guess that's what they were trying to do with a sort of very relatable to American audiences sort of match. Because you've got, oh yeah, um, I have to win this or my faction dies. But it's it's Anita, the guy famous for his love of exploding barbed wire. So you'd feel that would have been factored in. I guess the reason they probably didn't is because it would make interfering a hell of a lot harder. <laughs> you can't drag someone under the ropes if you can't get close enough to the ring. No, true. It, I, they were trying very much to make it uh, an entertainment-based wrestling company. Very soon as Team No Respect takes over, they changed the name of the company from FMW to, well, the titles to the WEW, see what they did there, oh. uh, championships. And they take out the death match and the hardcore stuff. And Tanu- Tanaka, Masa Tanaka and Hayabusa become these defenders of hardcore wrestling. They're the ones that want the street fights and the electric cages. And, you know, whereas the, the, the heels are the organizational side of the company as they move into Fuyuki trying to be the president of FMW and take over from Aichai. I- uh, sorry, um, Shahichi Arai. I think I've seen in wrestling. The, go on then. Explain the funniest thing you've seen in wrestling. The little run-up Fuyuki does before he la- he does his lariat. With the it, foot done like a four-year-old. Ah! Like, it, it does nothing to boost the move. It's just so funny to look at. It's a bit... It's a bit like Togi Makabe's laugh after he does the turnbuckle punches. It's something that I will always smile at and if I see or hear. So it's like you've got the little <laughs> laugh of Fuyuki doing a run-up to a lariat. Like, that's it. That's how you make me laugh. <laughs> oh, right, then, should we move on to the main event? I did have one last question. Oh, yes, carry on. Fuyuki's attire, is he purposely trying to rip off Hulk Hogan? Uh, not really. Again, I just I was I was wondering because it seems like something Fuyuki would do just to piss people off more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's I think he's got his own style and he's his own thing, and he was he was unique, wasn't he? That was it. You know, there wasn't anyone like him, and I think that's the bright thing to do. You know, he took a long while to get where he needed to be, and I think he did it the right way. Definitely. I have a lot of respect for the guy, especially since people seem to be dogpiling with negative opinions. Yes. I think more, more respect for Fuyuki, in my opinion, anyway. So the main event, then, pitted Hayabusa challenging for the FMW Brass Knuckle and FMW Independent World's Heavyweight Championships against his childhood friend and high school, uh, high school wrestling team partner, Mr. Ganesuke. 21 minutes and 45 seconds. I'll be honest didn't like this match that much. I thought it was pretty good. And I love Ganesuke, and I love Hayabusa, and, but I just wanted more of the thing they do. And it didn't quite gel for me. I don't know if I'm just wrong, or if anything's... I just didn't get this. It just went on too long for my taste. It was 21 minutes and 45 seconds, a main event length match. But I'm not convinced it was the main event of this show because I still think you know the the focus was on Anita and Fuyuki and I think this needed to be something a bit more spectacular for it to be truly considered great 
John, do you have a different opinion? Uh, not really. I, I Both guys are amazing, so it wasn't going to be a terrible match, but it felt really dry, especially when you know what both men are capable of. There was a lot of chain wrestling. There was a lot of grounded submissions, and there was never... It never quite felt like it got into like third gear. It was very, very tame, I'll say. Because we know what Hayabusa is capable of. We know what Ganesuke is capable of. It didn't seem to reflect as clearly in this match. Hmm. It just... Uh... Again, it fell into the same trap that I think... Onita and Fuyuki fell into it was just too pander is pandering the right word yeah it it was a baby so as I say it it did what it needed to do I mean like there was a redemption arc there Hayabusa had won a tournament there was an eight man tournament on FMW TV um, that had gone through they were trying to create interest and tell a story of Hayabusa's redemption in this championship match. You know, he hadn't been in the main event since Anita left. Da, 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 da. So there's all the right stuff there, but they didn't have the blow-off they needed to justify it. No, it was a very... Just their match. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this is the match you needed your interference in. If you were going to have any. Because this is the match that's got a hell of a lot of stakes to it as well, because obviously Ganesuke has all the titles. Yeah. You want Hayabusa to be this massive, redeemed baby face. That's when you want to dogpile someone with obstacles. That I don't know, it just feels like something was missing from this. Maybe we're just too used to the FMW sort of violence and we're like, oh no, <laughs> there's, there's nothing else here. Like, I don't think it's that. I think it's, they, they main event again in two years in a stadium with a much bigger crowd and have a much better match. And I don't want to talk about it till we get to that. But, you know, it takes two years for this to, or a year at least, another year at least, for this to play out. And it's the start of the story. But you don't start the story at the biggest show of the year. You end the story at the biggest show of the year. And yeah. whilst it was superb storytelling, and it's something that Ghetto would do now in New Japan. He would have a match that wasn't quite what you wanted, even in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom. But as long as it advanced the story. You know, it's... it's Akada versus uh, Tanahashi is a good example. You have these stunning series of matches, but Akada doesn't get the win until he absolutely deserves it when you've done everything else with the story you can. But this is that, but Hayabusa and Ganesuke isn't the story, isn't quite there. They're not Akada and Tanahashi. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I want to stress, this isn't a bad match. It's, oh, no, it's... no. I think our standards are just that high. Like, you know, on a fundamental level, on a fundamental level, this is great. The, the technique is there, the build-ups there, the bloody hell. Hayabusa was one of the best in the goddamn world, 
and you're rooting for him because Ganesuke is being a dick. But as you said, maybe our standards are just too high. It just even the crowd doesn't seem that invested in it though. That might have just been me, but something something was missing, and I can't quite put my finger on what it was. It's just the more I think about it, and the more I try to describe it, the more I'm just kind of like something didn't click. I, I think that we're kind of used to this style of storytelling now with wrestlers who are kind of brought up with it. Whereas I guess this was probably something slightly new in that sense. You know, they were trying to make this bigger than what it was and they were trying to stick with the young guys as the main event. And that's the right thing to do. They were making the right choices, but I don't think they were quite ready yet. And it's good that it's in a smaller hall. I mean, it doesn't kind of like justify the big 30,000 seater when they next get do it again, though. It's a much bigger story and much more important. Yeah, that's the match I wish I'd seen then. Oh, we'll get to it again. <laughs> to be fair, we'll get we'll get there and we'll realize this match did its job because it made us want more, and we got more. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think that's what we'll be after is just like finding out what happens next in the story of Ganesuke and Hayabusa. And that's kind of the story of FMW at that point. It's turning into an entertainment company, John. Do you approve? Not really. I miss the violence. But that's just because I'm a very deathmatch-heavy guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I mean, I've always said that FMW didn't need the violence. And I don't think they did in their peak when you have a charismatic character like Anita and Mr. Pogo and Terry Funk and Junichiro Tenru. You could do that with regular wrestling matches. And I think Hayabusa and Ganesuke can do it with regular wrestling matches. But I just don't think it was quite the time. I think Anita was causing more problems than he was solving as a draw. Does that make sense? Yeah, they were always scrambling to sort of build audience approval after this sort of big knock to, I guess, kayfabe in a way. Because they were like, oh, he's gone. And he's gone for good. He's not coming back. Wait a minute, you lying. Toe rag. Like they lost a lot of goodwill when he came back and they agreed to take him back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Which I think I think that's kind it. of baffles me because it's Ornita. Surely you'd want more of Ornita, but I guess kind of when you build up something because, right, I'm gone and I'm never coming back. People will take you at face value for that. <laughs> it's it's not quite like McFoley where you can sort of retire and then come back a week later and I'm like, ah, it's just Mick. Yeah, that's it. It, it doesn't... This was very serious. No one retired. When people retired, then they retired, especially in Japan. It had to be very serious. Well, I guess that's where we leave FMW in the Beginner's Guide to Japanese Wrestling. I think we're on episode 57 now. Or 56. Not quite sure. But I'd like to thank my guest today, Mr. John Stinsdale. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, as always. I appreciate it. And you can find him... Whereabouts can we find you on your social medias, sir? Well, I am John Deathman on Twitter. That is kind of like opening the gateway to hell where you'll find everything else you need. The writings, the ramblings, things like that. Yeah, I have done pieces on FMW. I'm always reviewing Deathmatch stuff, MLW, things like that. So come and get a nice dose of violent variety. (laughs) 
All right, then. Well, you can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. And you can find the show on Facebook, Troopany Show, as well, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Please do. If you are in North America or if you're in the United States, please keep safe and uh, please take care and do remember that Black Lives Matter. Also, can you go and see our sponsors, uh, Empire Wrestling Magazine? They are open this week. Uh, They've got new stuff lots of things to go and read on their website and of course powerslam.tv where you get a free month when you use the code mulletwatch go and see them and have some free wrestling thank you very much for listening to me to us today take care and we'll see you soon bye bye Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.